Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, good morning. My name is Sarah Escamilla. Uh, we are continuing our series going through our declarations. And our declarations here at New Community Church are these statements that we live life by. And so every week, we've been starting by saying this out together. So I know it's early, and I know you lost an hour of sleep. So I'm going to ask you all to stand up with me, take some big old deep breaths. And we're going to read this out together nice and loud and proud. Adults, you show the kids how it's done. All right. God has given... NCC, a vision to make people and places new. I, as the church, am part of this vision for our community. I will allow scripture to shape my life as part of owning my own spiritual growth. I'll find ways to invest in the next generation and change the world around me. No matter what comes my way, I'll let joy be seen in who I am. And as part of this church, I'll live my life with others and use what God's given me to help move us forward. We are New Community Church, and we will see God do miracles. By 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. Together, we are committed to follow Jesus' example and be a disciple-making church. Woo-hoo! Does that get anybody fired up? <laughs> that is exciting. I don't know about you, I'm excited to be part of a church that has a vision, that has a vision that is in line with scripture and what God has called us to do. My name is Sarah Escamilla. I belong to the guy with the afro. Uh, we've been together, oh, gosh, um, we just realized that next year will be our 25th wedding anniversary. I was like, I thought we'd be older by this point. Oh, and there goes my... Uh, sorry, this is going to be a little bit noisy. Hold on one second. All right. So uh, so I am one of the pastors here excited to share with you a story this morning um, from my own personal life as we focus on how we live life together. That's what we're focused on this morning. We live life together. And a few years ago, um, some of you guys know, in, in uh, March of 2020, uh, we lost Aaron's dad uh, to COVID. And uh, it was March. It was at the beginning of the pandemic. Nobody really knew exactly how everything was going down. It was chaotic. If you recall, we were all shut down. And um, we were just completely stunned. Aaron's dad was healthy. Uh, he wasn't that old. And um, we were just absolutely shocked. But the hardest part of losing someone in the pandemic, and some of you have walked through this with us, was not just losing the person, but it was the disconnection. We didn't get to be with him in the hospital. We said goodbye over FaceTime. We didn't get to be with our family and cry together and mourn together or hold hands. We even didn't get to be with our church family because we couldn't even meet together. And then one day, we got a knock on our door, and this is what we saw. <laughs> Some of you all will, uh, will recognize your cars in there. This you can't see this, but this line of cars wraps through our neighborhood. And this is our community coming through in COVID and holding signs. And what you can't hear is the sobbing going on behind the camera. Me and Aaron and the kids standing out there. You can see our neighbor starts to come out and join with the parade. It was this incredible moment that I will always think of as a reflection of my community, caring for me and my family when we were most in need. And I know that as we talk about living life together, that might seem like a dark, difficult way to start this message, but I do so because I think if COVID has taught all of us anything, 
is that connection matters, right? We need one another. We are not able to walk this road alone. We desperately need the connection of being with other human beings. It just is not good for us to be alone. God said it in the very beginning in Genesis, that it's not good for man to be alone. And when I think about a moment when I think of being alone and my community coming through for me, that's the moment I think of. And so this morning as we talk about community, we're going to go to Scripture. We're going to see what the Scriptures has to say because that's what we always do because Scripture shapes our lives. And if you would, if you would go ahead and stand with me again, we are going to just pray and just ask God to speak to each and every one of us this morning because I do believe God has something to say to you individually, not just to us as a community of faith, but to you individually. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. And thank you for giving us your body. We are not walking out this faith alone. We have a community to stand with us in good times and in bad. And so this morning, I pray, challenge us and change us into your image. Make us more and more into who you've called us to be. And show us, Lord, what a gift we have when we live life together. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, thank you. Grab your seats and go ahead and grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you can use your smartphone. You can use the NCC app. You can download that. It's got the notes and the scriptures in there. Um, but go ahead and open to the scriptures. We want to be engaging with those together to the book of Acts, chapter 2, starting in verse 42. This is the beginning of the church, literally the birthing of the church. There's this new movement where Jesus has died and been resurrected, and his people are getting together, these people who believe that what he did changed everything. They no longer have to live by these rules and regulations, but Jesus has made a way for us to reconnect with God through his death and his resurrection. And so as they believe, they're gathering together, and we get to just see what this looks like from the very beginning. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day... The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Do you want to be a part of that kind of community? I want to be a part of that kind of community. It's willing to sell their stuff because somebody else has a need. It's not just spending time worshiping together in a building, but it's spending time together in their homes, who's sharing their needs and sharing their goods. And, and everything was this community aspect. They viewed everything they had as belonging not just to them, but to their community of faith. That's a community I want to be a part of. So let me ask you, who are you learning from, living with, eating with, and praying with? Who are you learning from, living with, eating with, praying with? That's what we see these people doing. They're learning from one another. They're devoted to teaching and wrestling with these new topics and things in the scriptures. They're living with one another, spending time in one another's homes and with one another's families. They're eating together. They're praying together. They are sharing their possessions and their money together. God did not design any of us to live outside of community. He made us to live like this. This is the picture of the church that we are supposed to be. 
And here's the thing. We, we know this innately, right? Science continues to affirm this. One landmark study showed that a lack of social connection is a, is a greater detriment. Sorry, I am having technical difficulties. Aaron, you're going to have to show me how to do this better. Uh, one landmark study showed lack of social connection is a greater detriment to health than obesity, smoking, and high blood pressure. If you spend your life alone, it is worse for you than if you are obese, have high blood pressure, and also uh, have diabetes. I'm so sorry. All right, and on, on the other hand, having a strong social connection leads to a 50% increased chance of longevity, strengthens your immune system, um, which this researcher actually found that the genes that code when you're lonely, the feeling of loneliness, they are also the same genes that code your, in, your inflammation and your immune response. So those things are interconnected within our own bodies. And so when we're connected to other people, it helps us recover from disease faster. It's one of the things hospitals ask now, right? Whether you have a community of people who are going to help you to heal and recover because it actually helps you. People who feel more connected to others have lower levels of anxiety and depression. And this isn't just about having friends. It's about living in a Christian community, a community of faith who's moving in the same direction that you are moving. It's not just about your town. It's about your tribe. Who do you call when things get rough? Who do you text when you have a rough day and you need prayer or you need someone to give you wisdom? That's your community. That's your community of faith. Families are fantastic, but families are just part of the larger tapestry of a community of faith. And I, I learned this the hard way. When Aaron and I first got married, he would read this proverb to me. It's Proverbs 27.10. It says, it's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. And he'd say this because I wasn't building local connections because I had my family. I'd call my mom. I'd call my sisters. They were hours and hours away. And I thought, well, that's good enough. And he's like, no, it's not. You need a local people that are going to be there for you, that are going to live life with you, that you're going to rub shoulders with, that are going to call you on your stuff. You need those people. Family by itself isn't enough. You need a community of faith because faith is not a solo sport. Faith is not a solo sport. We know now that the whole myth of a self-made man or woman is, is a myth. There is no such thing as a self-made anybody. Every single thing that you have in your life comes from a lot of other people in your life investing into you, whether that was for good or was for bad. And definitely everything we have comes from the Lord. Faith is not a solo sport. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5 says this, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Say that out loud. We all belong to each other. Mm, we don't like belonging, do we? Like we don't like belonging to other people, but we do. The scripture tells us that we do. Each of us needs the other. And have you ever stopped to think? Here's what I stopped to think when I read this. Why did God use that illustration, that analogy? Maybe it's because I'm an English nerd, English teacher by trade. But I'm like, why did he use that analogy of a body? Why didn't he say we're all like the different animals in the world or the different plants? We all have different gifts and different makeups. Why didn't he look to the stars like he did with Abraham and say, we're all like stars in the sky, you know, together we paint this beautiful tapestry, blah, blah, blah. I believe it's this. None of those things are dependent on one another. And we are. 
We are dependent on one another. And so he uses this illustration we can understand of a body. If I am missing parts of my body, it hinders my ability to live, doesn't it? Even with modern technology, if I am missing an arm, it hurts my ability to live. We understand this concept. But when we translate that over to our faith, sometimes we miss it. We are dependent upon one another. And God's word is telling us over and over and over again that we need each other. And, he, and here's what I'd like to point out. This isn't like God is saying, make a special effort to be part of the body of Christ. Here's what he's saying. When you say, God, I'm surrendering to you, you just said, God, I surrender to your body. They are one and the same. We don't come to Jesus and belong to Jesus all, all on our own. We belong to Jesus. That means we belong to his body. You can't love Jesus and hate the church. That is impossible. We belong to one another. And when I commit my life to Christ, I have just committed my life to the body of Christ. That means everything I have also becomes yours. All my gifts, all my talents, all my goods, all my strengths, and my weaknesses, and my issues, and my messes, they all become a part of us together. We belong to one another. When I was in 11th grade, I recommitted my life to Jesus. I had grown up in church, hadn't been in church in years. I can't even for the life of me remember how I got to this youth conference. But I'm sitting in this youth conference in this chair, I'll never forget, and I pray a prayer that means everything to me. And I say, all right, God, I am done messing up my life. Uh, this is my mess that I made. Can you help me with this? And I surrendered my life to him. And I went home, and I tried to figure out what it meant for me to now live out faith. I knew how to go to church. I did not know how to live out faith. And I was trying to figure that out. And here's the problem is I didn't have a church. And so I would get up on Sunday morning, 16-year-old Sarah, put on my best dress and my pantyhose, because that's what you had to do then, and I'd go to a church, you know, and I would go in, and, and I would sit, and I would do what you were supposed to do, and sometimes I didn't understand the songs, and sometimes I didn't understand the message, and I was completely disconnected. And then I went down to Bible college, much to my chagrin. God told me to go to Bible college, and I show up there, and it was like immediately I knew this is what I needed. Here I had been for the 11th and 12th grade of my life, stumbling, trying to figure out what this looked like and wondering why I couldn't get over that sin, why I couldn't move on in my faith, why I wasn't growing more, why I wasn't feeling better, why I could not control my mouth. It was because I didn't have a community of faith to show me how to live out my faith. And so when I went down to this college, I was stuck there. I mean, God did this on purpose to me. He took me from Illinois to the middle of Texas where I knew nobody and planted me there where I couldn't. I lived there. I ate there. I was stuck with these people for better or for worse. And I can tell you that those next two years, the growth in my life was exponential because I worshiped with these people. We would stay up late and wrestle with the scriptures like, what does this mean? I disagree with that. I don't think that's right. Well, this is what I think. And we were just wrestling together and dealing with things together. When I had a bad day, they knew it. I couldn't hide it from them. They heard me crying in my dorm room next door. Like, I lived life with these people, and I grew. It was the game changer I needed, was just to get into a community of faith, because we need one another. Because iron sharpens iron. 
you may have heard this before, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And when, when, when we live life together, we sharpen one another. And if you struggle with this illustration, I want you to think of a really great old couple, okay? Aaron and I, if you know us very well, not to say that we're old, but <laughs> we're getting there. If you know Aaron and I very well, you know we are polar opposites in every way. He's adventurous. I am not. He is crazy. Fly by the sea of his pants. I am not, okay? But he has taught me so much about life about leadership. I have learned so much by being around someone for 25 years who is completely different than me. Iron sharpens iron. And here's the thing. If you don't understand this, because I'm not much of a tools person, this is a, this is a sharpener. That's what I'm going to call it. You tool guys are like, oh my gosh, she has no idea what she's doing. Okay, and this is a sharp utensil, all right? And if I stood here like this and are like, I don't understand. Why, why isn't it working? <laughs> Sharpen. Okay, you'd think I was nuts, right? Why? Because there has to be contact, right? Sharpening is not pleasant. It's loud. It is uncomfortable, okay? It grates against our ears. We don't like it. It's painful. But that is exactly what living life together does for us, okay? When I am living closely enough next to you to bump into you, Okay, and we rub off one another's rough edges. It's good for us both, but it is not always pleasant, is it? That's what community is. It's when we don't run out the back door because someone said something we didn't like. It's when we don't walk out and switch churches because the worship song wasn't what we wanted it to be this week. This is community. We struggle with one another. We push one another. We challenge one another. We grow together because we are living closely. It requires proximity. It requires that we actually let down our guard. I love this quote. If you know me, you know that Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my favorite theologians. I'm rereading his book right now. And he has this quote, and it says this. It may be that Christians, notwithstanding corporate worship, prayer, and fellowship, may still be left to their loneliness. The final breakthrough to fellowship doesn't occur because though they have fellowship with one another as believers and as devout people, in other words, as rule followers, they don't have fellowship as the undevout, as sinners. What is he saying? He's saying, until I let down my guard with you, until you see the ugly side of my life, we are not living in true community. Until you see how I snap at my husband when I am not happy, until you see me bite off the head of one of my kids, or you see me mess things up, you see the mess in my life, that's when we became community. How many of us can say we have that? with the people that we worship with every week, that we can actually see into one another's lives and go, I saw that. Love you. Love you, girl. You're, you're getting a handle on that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm watching. I'm here for you. Okay? Here for you. Hey, girl, that uh, little tidbit you were sharing, you probably need to cut that gossip crap out of your life because it is toxic, not doing you any good, any good at all. Okay? When we live closely enough, students, with another person who can say, dude, you need to get that filter on your phone. You need to give someone else the permissions to control your screen because where you're going with that thing is not good for your life. That's community. That's living life together. When we let down our guard, and for too long, we have assumed that just being together makes us a community. It does not. Coming into a room every Sunday for a couple of hours does not a community make. 
It is living life together. It is the painful moments, the loving moments, the good and the bad, because iron sharpens iron. And this is the kind of church we want to be. We don't want to be a church of people who come in and put their best face on. Please don't. Come in and let your crap fly, okay? Because this is where reality is. This is where faith grows. When you come in and say, listen, pull somebody aside and say, I had a rough week. I was sleeping on the couch. My wife and I aren't getting along, and I don't know where we go from here. Have that conversation. That is where faith happens, when we let down our guard and let one another into the icky, icky parts of our lives that we want to hide. Last, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. It's a very common quote in leadership. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. See, in Corinthians, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. And in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We need to be in close community with people who are helping us to grow. Who are the five people that you spend the most time with? Research says you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Are those people who have lives that are heading in the direction you want to go? Are those people whose marriages are headed in the same direction you want to go? Are these people who are people of faith? who are trying to live according to God's word, or no. Because whoever you're spending the most time with, that is who you're becoming. You cannot beat that. You cannot beat those odds. Because we are constantly influencing one another. Proverbs is full of caution about this, right? Like we preach these things to our teenagers all the time. Proverbs 22, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise, become wise, associate with fools, get in trouble. Pretty straightforward. Proverbs 16, 28, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Your close connections determine the direction of your life without question. So what direction do you want your life headed in? Because you choose who you allow to have influence in your life, either accidentally or intentionally. You choose. Who do you allow to have influence in your life? And listen, this is not about, like, bad people and good people. Like, I was raised, like, to not associate with, what is it? Like, you know, people who smoke or chew or girls who do or whatever. Like, no, no, no. This is not about bad people or good people. This is about people who are pushing you to continue to grow. People who are headed in the same direction. People who, when you look at their life, you think, yes, that is what I want my life to be like. That's the kind of people that I want to make my intentional connections. Take a moment and evaluate. Who are those five? Really think through it. Take some time today and think through. Who are the five people? Listen, if you can't put five people, look around. Wednesday night, you come in here and you get connected into a group. Stay after service today and introduce yourself. I know it's awkward. But don't be 11th grade Sarah and fight for 18 months to try to get your life on track and not know why and all because you're not connecting with other people. Like just get awkward and get real and make a connection with somebody else because it's going to help you to grow. And we're all in this together, right? We are all just trying to live God's way and to continue to live out our faith. About 10 years ago, I got an email from this author that I followed. It wasn't like a personal email. I was subscribed to her email newsletter. 
And um, so I get this email newsletter, but I loved her, so I read everything that she sent. And I saw that she was looking for some part-time, like, volunteer admin help. And I had a part-time job. I only had one kiddo at home at that time. The others were in school. And so I was like, I think I could probably donate a couple hours a week. And so I did. I started helping her with this special project, and I was just, like, so honored, you know, that this author, like, picked me to help her with this project. And it ended up becoming this 12-month mentoring experience. And then as we got to the end of the project, she said, hey, if you want to join, I would love to have you in this 12-month of mentoring. And I was like, <coughs> like, I knew what this was going to mean. I helped put the thing together. I knew she was going to get all up in my business. And she's like a spiritual giant. And I'm like, how am I going to sit across from her and share my mess with her? I was so intimidated. I was so scared. I'm like, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, but how could I say no? And thank the Lord I didn't because it absolutely changed my life. And Alicia has been with me through some of the most important moments of my life. She has walked with me, and I can 100% say I would not be the woman I am today if it was not for her influence in my life. But I had to let my guard down. I had to open myself up and say, you know what, I'm afraid. I'm afraid you're going to judge me. I'm afraid you're going to reject me. I'm afraid you're going to say I'm not good enough to be a pastor's wife. I'm not good enough to be a Christian leader if you know that I struggle with some of the things I struggle with. And you know, she never said any of those things because she loved Jesus and she loved me. And I can tell you, if you've been hurt by people in the past because you've opened up and been vulnerable, I'm sorry. That is not who Jesus is. It's not. And this is a place, I truly believe this, this is a church where you don't have to walk in that fear. We want to live life together. And listen, we're going to make a big mess of it along the way. We will, and that's okay, because no good thing is ever created without a big mess in the middle. But we're going to work it out together because we want to reflect this church we want to be the church that lives together, that gives together, that eats together, that cries together and mourns together and celebrates together. I want you to have your parade down your street when you're having a rough week. I want you to have the person you can call when you're just desperate and you don't know who else to talk to. I want you to have that connection and you to have that community of faith. And so if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, we're going to pray. And you might be worshiping online, you might be here this morning and saying, listen, I haven't even let my guard down with Jesus. I'm still holding up some protection and I have not given my life to him. I have not said, God, you can have your way with me. Because maybe I've, I've been afraid that he would condemn me, that he would reject me. Maybe I'm afraid that I'm going to have to lose some friends in my life or lose some connections, but I don't care anymore. And if, it's that, if that's you this morning and you're like, I'm, I'm willing, today's the day for me. Like I had that day in 11th grade. You're like, I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to lay it all down in front of him. I'm going to give him my life. Will you just pray this prayer after me? You may not have the words, but I'll give you the words. But pray it from your heart. And let's all together pray this so nobody prays alone. Jesus, I come to you and I lay my life down. God, I may have made a mess of it, but I know you can fix it. So I surrender to you. I believe you're my Savior. 
I believe you're my God. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose again. And because you are victorious, I am victorious. I do not have to carry my sin anymore. I am forgiven in Jesus' name. So have your way in my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you celebrate this morning for anyone who prayed that prayer? And listen, whether you are worshiping online or you're with us this morning, again, we don't want you going through this thing alone. So we're going to give you some instruction, a QR code you can scan, where you can connect with other people who are going to help you to take some first steps. But a a step that we're going to take today for all of us, a response. If you recall when I read in Acts, it said that they would take the Lord's Supper together. And that's what we're going to do today. This might be a little different for you. I don't know how you were raised or where your background is from, but here's what I can tell you. At New Community Church, you don't have to be a member to take communion. All you need to do is be a member of the body of Christ. You need to have committed your life to Jesus to take communion together. And so there's elements, there's little cups with little um, uh, uh, crackers on the top underneath your seats, or they may be in front of you. And we're going to ask you to circle up in groups of like four to six people Get with somebody you may not even know. It's okay. Circle up. And there's a slide that's going up here. And it has a scripture that one of you guys will read aloud to everybody. And then somebody will volunteer to pray and give thanks for the body of Christ. And then there's a scripture you'll read aloud as well and then pray for the blood of Christ. And then after you've read and prayed, you're going to take communion together as a group. I know this can be a little bit scary if you've never done this before. It's okay. Everything is right here. Just look at the screen. So just circle up with a couple of people, grab your communion elements, and just follow the instructions on the screen. You'll have a few minutes to do this together.